What we want to be? 47 now is 50. Welcome to the Nami Courthouse with Delvin from Denver. Ladies and gentlemen, like, I don't know. Um, welcome to episode 45 of the Anatomy Podcast. For me, currently, it is 6.49 p.m. over here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It is a pretty cooler night, but, I mean, spring is approaching. So, as much as I want to deny it, the temperatures are going to steadily get warmer. Boo freaking who. And then April 17th, like, I'll be driving for almost a day straight back to what is commonly uh, triple digits during the middle of the year over in Arizona. So I'm like, woo. But tonight we have Dylan from Dead Awake jumping on to tell his story, tell his background, and hopefully we can go under the skin of one of Dead Awake's prior releases. Um, they do have a new single coming out next week. Um, and I'm I'm very excited for these guys. They seem to be embarking onto a new chapter, a new sound, and I mean, like they said themselves on their Facebook, it's a lot more like caveman, just Sam, like Slammy Sam era going on, and I love to see it. So, for starters, Dylan, how are you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm good. I'm hanging in there, just waiting for some food. But yeah, it's uh, still six, like fifty here. It was like a forty-seven degree day, so it was really, really. Like a heat wave out here in Wisco, but <laughs> yeah, so right. I'm good. You said you're waiting for KFC or what? What was it? Because I heard a, about a KFC debacle before he started session. <laughs> yeah, so um, we live like right next door to a KFC, and me and my girlfriend woke up from a nap at like six twenty, and I was like, "Oh shit, we haven't eaten yet." So <laughs> I went to the KFC and we were trying to get their wraps because they have like really cool like snack wrap things now. And my girlfriend loves them. So we ordered those and then came back and found out that it was just like the original chicken and the spicy chicken. They didn't give us like the wrap. So it was the wrong order. So like my girlfriend, she's like, I'll just run back. Just just hang in there. I'll be right back. So she just like took my car and left. So, yep, that's what we're doing. So if you see me kind of look over and I'm like, yay, that's just my girlfriend coming home. <laughs> chicken! Yeah, that's great. Freaking Tokyo Drift theme in the background as she's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude! Speed running over to the KFC around the corner. She's like, "I want my wraps, please." <laughs> That's completely understandable, though. And dude, I'm absolutely a chicken guy myself. Have you um ever gone to Bojangles by chance? No, I've actually never heard of it. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, d d okay, so you said Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Okay. Do y'all have uh raisin canes up there? Like, what are your main chicken joints other than KFC? Um, we got, well, we do have canes and I fucking love canes. That, that sauce literally has a special spot in my heart. Um, we have canes, we have a shit ton of Popeyes as everywhere does. Right. And then probably like Chick-fil-A, but there's this new place, dude. It's called Dave's Hot Chicken and they mm. like moved old Hardee's was and everybody's like talking about how good it is. It's like, I think they have like maybe two or three locations, but it's so yeah. good. Oh my God. I'm so excited to try it. They have like. <laughs> hot sauce that you have to like sign a waiver to get in your sandwich it's oh fucking... yeah that's what <laughs> we're about man hot sauce <laughs> hell yes that shit's good no um basically like i i don't know if it's like exclusive to southern states like deep southeastern um american states i guess that was very specific but like you know the deep south 
as they call it. Um, I'm pretty new to it as well, being born and raised in Arizona. But um, it seems to be like the South's version of Raising Cane's. That's what Bojangles is. It's like really like, I don't even know how to describe it, man. It's like Cane's, but better. And I didn't think that that would be a thing because I'm such a fried chicken fan. And I mean, my weight tells me it's like, yep, you definitely are a fried chicken fan. I'm like, shut up. But um, also it's like, you know, you got to enjoy food and you only have so much time on this earth. So as long as you're taking care of yourself out there, ladies and gentlemen, eat whatever you want. Just understand that, you know, if, if you want to be healthy, but you're not eating healthy food, well, that contradicts itself. And I, I'm definitely going to take my own advice passively. But <laughs> tonight, um, after <laughs> starting the conversation off with chicken, which I feels, I think feels more organic. I prefer it that way. We've never really done that before. We usually just stick to a script, a very vague script. But essentially, we will be taking a little chunk out of Dylan's time tonight. We will be talking about his background as a musician, as well as any other professions, really, that he has attended to in his young adult life so far. And then in the second half, after an ad break, we will be trying to dig in as much as possible comfortably to his participation, his contributions to his band, Dead Awake. And they've been around for a little bit. So... We got plenty to talk about. We got plenty of material to discuss, maybe even the overall roadmap on how each of the EPs and albums so far were decided, all that fun stuff. But let's go ahead and bring it down to earth, people. Let's bring it down to where Dylan is, which is Wisconsin. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, Dylan, let us know um, where you were born, where you grew up, um, and anything that you feel would be relevant for your listeners to know, for fans of Dead Awake to know about you personally. You may take as much time as you need. Cool. Um, so my whole growing up, like where I grew up and everything is a little bit complicated. Um, I always tell people I can give them the long story. I can give them the Sparknotes version. So I'll just, <laughs> I'll just riff really quick. But uh, I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I lived there for about six months when I was a baby. Um, then me and my family packed up and we lived in Wausau, Wisconsin. So um, just a smaller town in Wisconsin here. We lived there for about five years. I went to elementary school there. Then we moved to Lamar's, Iowa, which is apparently the ice cream capital of the world, which nobody knows. That's just because like Wells Blue Bunny started there. Oh. Uh, yeah. Great ice cream. I hate the company, but it's a great, great <laughs> ice cream. I'll tell you what. And uh, so I lived there for about like three or four years. Um, after that, we ended up hightailing it to Visalia, California. So it's kind of like in the Central Valley, right where it kind of bends over. Yes. Um, so we're like right smack dab there, lived there for about four years. Um, my dad worked in a for a company that made housing trusses, and that was around 2008. So once the housing market crashed, we kind of had to really think on our feet and figure out what to do from there. Um, and then we moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I spent the majority of my life. That's usually where I say, like, I pretty much grew up just because that's where I went to high school and everything. Right. Uh, ooh, chicken's here. <laughs> <laughs> chicken! <laughs> anyway, um, so I lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin for a while. I went to high school there. It was from, like, eighth grade up until I um, went to college and then some. So I was there for a while, went to UW Oshkosh for a semester, didn't end up liking it, so I came back home. Um, then my family moved to Cleveland for a few months, 
So um, just because like my dad got a different job and everything and I wanted to kind of do something different. So I went with him. Um, then we ended up in Poplar Grove, Illinois. So basically like a little suburb of Rockford, kind of like an hour and a half away from Chicago. Okay. Um, lived there for quite a few years. Um, that's where I met the guys. That's where this whole band stuff kind of happened. And then I went to DeKalb for school, lived there for a few years, and then ended up here in Madison. So it's been kind of bouncing around my whole life. Yeah, yeah. man. I mean, shit. Growing up, I only bounced around cities. No, you, no dude, you bounced around the whole country, man. <laughs> like, that's nuts. <laughs> Everybody always asks if I'm an army brat, and I'm not. My dad just works for, like, corporate companies and stuff. He has, like, mm. a very, like, niche spot and kind of, like, a job title and everything. So, like when there's a new opportunity that comes up, there aren't very many. So like, we usually just kind of follow that, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit. Um, speaking for that and like just kind of mobile jobs, right. That kind of have you, they, they have you reassigning. Um, they have you relocating, um, state wise inter, um, international, no, not internationally. Oops. Um, throughout the United States. Um, it's, I, I know a couple people who do that too, and, I mean, for them, it's like travel, and then they stay at a they stay at a motel, they stay at an inn, and they just keep bouncing around doing uh, various architectural contracts for AT and T, if I'm remembering that correctly. So, I mean, I can't even imagine. And I mean, technically, the job I have now, um, which I've been bouncing back and forth with, uh, that ha that allows me technically to go wherever I want with the job just because I have um, a certain level. I have like a strange exception, like freaking prophecy chosen one main character vibe um, exception with this company. But unfortunately that's like one of the only perks of the job. So um, I mean, I don't know, man, you, you were bouncing around the country a lot when you were younger. So I can only imagine it was like hard to kind of concrete yourself and, you know, make friends and stuff and stay social. Cause you're like, dude, I'm not even going to be here that long. So like, how was that? How was that experience for you? Yeah, it was really hard. Um, like all things considered, that's pretty much the only way I can kind of explain it. Um, right. I am very thankful for the experiences though. Cause like you said, there was like, when you moved the first time, you're like, okay, that was a, once in a lifetime thing like i'm gonna settle down here it'll be fine so i ended up making friends and stuff and then having to pack up and go so after like the second or third time you're kind of like do i even want to make friends here yeah. <laughs> do i even want to do anything and that's kind of the route that i took when we ended up in cleveland just because i knew like we got there and my dad was like hey just so you know like i hate this job and we're leaving so don't get comfortable and we were like okay cool so that was like nice to know that i was leaving and i didn't have to invest in anything yes uh, it was very hard, but I'm actually, like, very thankful for the experience just because, like, at this point now, I can almost talk to anybody. Like, I'm a very social person. I've always been a super social person, ADHD, all that, like, hyperactivity and stuff and love making friends. So it's nice to have, like, I have some friends who live in Iowa still. Like, I have some California friends from when I was, like, in theater and everything. I have a ton of Wisconsin friends. And it just made me feel a lot more well-rounded. Yes, would say um i will also say the other side of that coin is that i don't really know a lot about myself just because i haven't really had the experience of like being thrown to the wolves and having to figure out who i actually am just because every new spot we were at i almost like reinvented myself because i was yes. like this is 
equal opportunity, you know, to just like be somebody different or do something else. Um, so it was kind of like a lot of moving parts at once that I'm kind of just trying to like put together to figure out who the hell I am as a person. Yeah. Um, and obviously like if anybody's listening to this, that's going through this stuff, like I'm 27 and I struggle with it like crazy because I have so many friends that are like out getting married, having kids, full blown careers, like all this other stuff. But like age doesn't obviously necessitate progress. So yes. it's, that's something I've had to really sit down and come to terms with. I'm still not fully to terms with it. You know, obviously I still get insecure about it, but you know, you got to just remind yourself like, doesn't matter what other people are doing. Everybody moves at their own pace and that's all exactly, good. Exactly, man. Exactly. And the thing is too, everything, even if it's painful, man, even if it's like incredibly inconvenient, depending on your circumstance, everything happens for a reason with mm -hmm. me moving out here to Tennessee as of like January of 2022. So it's been way more than a year now, nice and comfortable here in what's kind of like the Goldilocks zone between the South, the North and the West <laughs> mm -hmm. and also the Goldilocks zone as far as, okay, so this is kind of what it's like to have four seasons. This is what it's kind of like to be in the vicinity of a tornado, but it rarely happens here. Mm -hmm. um, all that fun stuff. It's, it's, I've really gotten comfortable and then we're having to make our move back to Arizona um, actually next month. Like, like I said before, and um, the the current group that I'm with, the current family that I'm with, we're just going separate ways because I want to try new things. And I remember mm -hmm. when we when they ultimately decided as soon as we moved into this house, they're like, nah, fuck Tennessee, man. Like just because of certain details, they're like, nah, dude, we don't want to be a part of this anymore. As soon as we're done with this lease, we're going back to Arizona. I'm like, fuck, because <laughs> I, I it's it's so nice here. Um, I don't know for anybody who, listening to this, um, whether it be my own folks, um, my own friends and family, or absolute strangers around the world, because apparently we're growing audiences in uh, Indonesia, the Philippines, UK, Scotland. So um, thank you to everybody around the world who has been tuning in, whether it be because of countries we've interviewed from your part of the wait, bands that we've interviewed from your part of the world or not. Thank you for tuning in for sure. But growing up in Arizona in the second most uh, severe, um, hot, dry <laughs> state in the country, it's it was definitely refreshing to be able to come out here and experience Four Seasons, experience everything that I did just because it's so much more colorful. And at least for most of my life where I lived, it's like you can't you you can see everything back home in Arizona because everything's on this giant incline. It's on this massive mesa. And then you are kind of encircled by mountains and you drive an hour outside of town to really just get everything covered up. That way you can't look for absolutely hundreds of miles off into the horizon. Um, mm -hmm. But like, I don't know, man, regarding that, I guess when you were dotting around the country and stuff, were there any states that you ended up, you know, kind of being there for a little bit and you're like, Hey, I mean, th this could have been fun. This could be nice. That type of thing. Or are you pretty comfortable where you're, where you're at right now? Um, I would say a little bit of both. Um, I personally did not have like a great personal experience when we lived in California. Mm. Um, but like, I loved the weather. We had a pool and everything like that. I had a lot of really good friends out there and like discovered my love for like musical theater and stuff like that out there. So 
it really holds a special spot in my heart, I would say so. Like, I didn't have a good personal experience, but it would have been cool if the things were, like, a little bit different and yeah. ended up weather and stuff. But other than that, I've lived in, I want to say, like, four different towns in Wisconsin, like, four different cities, and I absolutely love it here. Like, I, this state absolutely has my heart. It's just... There's just something about it, dude. Everybody's mostly everybody's really nice. Um, there's always something to do. It's just a really nice kind of quaint spot. The weather sucks sometimes. I'll be <laughs> um, but other than that, man, Wisconsin definitely has my heart. Like I always end up finding my way back here. I don't know what it is or why, but I always just end up finding my way back here somehow. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I like from an outsider perspective, you you mentioned that you've like dotted back and forth, and you've been in Wisconsin the most. So I can only assume, and I can only provide an impression. Uh, think to myself that it's probably just because of the time, um, the the advantage of time that Wisconsin had with you over other states and stuff. But um, definitely am very curious on digging into that theater background, if you would be willing to talk about that, because I'm wondering if that had any uh, any effects on your journey so far as a vocalist and being the front man for a band. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, that's really where it all started. I was like I was saying, I had a really bad like personal experience there, so I didn't really have a lot of friends in school. Um, right. And my mom and my sister found this place. It was called Tico. It was the Tulare County of Education, but they had like their own little like theater subsidiary kind of thing where it was like kids my age all the way up to high school, and they would just like basically do shows and like musicals and stuff as like an extracurricular activity kind of thing it wasn't like you had to be in their school or anything like right. that but um so i joined that uh, my first show was hairspray i was just like a chorus member pretty much you know just vibing. Awesome. um but yeah it definitely excuse me definitely sparked my love for it big time um kind of got me comfortable with what we would consider the quote-unquote spotlight um just kind of being in the general view and performing for people and stuff like that. Um, Cause I was in a few shows out there and I've always been singing ever since I was like a baby, you know, really like being like a performer and stuff. I was in like um, church choirs, all that good stuff, school choir growing up the whole nine. Um, but yeah, then theater just kind of stuck out to me. And I think it was just because this is going to be kind of deep. <laughs> I don't want people to think of just some like, philosophical douchebag Dude, bring it on man bring the okay. deep <laughs> yeah so i think the reason why i loved it was because i was able to play somebody else and kind of get out of my own personal kind of like personality i guess like yes. i was in Wilka and i was mike tv it was cool to be like i'm a gamer nerd who's like upset and i'm gonna be on tv for some fucking reason like right or, like, I'm in Hairspray, I can just, like, dance around in a jazz square and not have to worry about shit for a while, you know? So that's what, it really got me comfortable, like, being somebody else, and it was kind of, like, it kind of just worked, because, I, like I said, every time I moved, I, like, reinvented myself and everything, so it definitely helped a lot. And it definitely does wonders with being in a band specifically and having to kind of, especially as, like, a frontman, you take the brunt of like everything you carry the show along like you're basically because people who like might not be super into like the musical aspect of a band right and they're gonna be like focusing on the person front and center it's just yes. kind of so you kind of have to deal with that and be ready for that quote-unquote pressure mm -hmm. 
and everything like that. But it definitely helped just because performing in front of people was fucking terrifying, dude. Like that is, <laughs> it's at first, you know, and after a while you just kind of get used to it and you just kind of ride the wave. But yeah, it definitely helped a ton. I was in a ton of shows in high school, like choir concerts and like dance recitals and uh, musicals and plays and all this other stuff. So it definitely helped a ton. Fantastic, man. And I mean, looking to the future, not even like uh, with with dead awake in the picture for now, you know, let's just pretend um, when you were doing the theater, when you were doing all these performances and you were giving your all, you were able to disassociate from your own identity, separate yourself from who you are, Dylan. Um, did like did you ever da daydream? about like getting into acting and like wanting to become an actor in the future. Yeah, that was definitely like my biggest that's still at this very moment that's probably like my biggest dream is to be like in movies or TV shows or something like that. I probably screwed it up by getting all these tattoos and shit, you know, but <laughs> uh, I always daydreamed about it. Like I've always been infatuated with cinema and television and everything like that. Total cinephile. Um, so, yeah, I'd still daydream about it sometimes and, like, write down random movie scenes that pop into my head or something like that. And yeah, just kind of, uh, but yeah, definitely. I was, it was a lot more prevalent back then, but now it's still like, if I could ever do that, I would definitely do that. Yeah. And I mean, today, dude, keeping in mind just deathcore vocals or like vocalist in general, heavy vocalist, we're now seeing in the last few years opportunities like Doom Eternal the uh mm -hmm. the the metal chorus and stuff and then tyler shelton of traders is like trying to get into voice acting and all these other other like just creative mediums that correlate with doing vocals and doing you know voice impressions of and all that type of shit <laughs> it just comes yeah. with it like you 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 really learn how to become creatures you learn how to become animals and i have a feeling that one day the metal scene is going to have its own D. Bradley Baker or Tom Kent or Tom Kane in which, yeah, sure, primarily they scream into a mic and look like they want to fucking hack you in half. And then they the, the, the other side of the coin shows itself, you know, wing, 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 ching. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I also do voice acting and I'm like, I've been uh, Gorgoroth in freaking uh, uh, She-Ra and the Seven Deadly, you know whatever yeah. is out there and it's, it's really cool to see that our community our vocalists are kind of breaching that wall tearing it down and they're like well if being a frontman for a heavy metal band doesn't pay the bills what could whilst i've invested all these years into honing my craft and becoming a vocalist well voice acting doing voice impressions um so it's, it's simply been really cool to see how uh, people have decided to twist that around and innovate that way they can kind of profit as much as possible off of what they do off of what they've invested years into because doing heavy vocals is 2023 people it's march 4th 2023 it's not easy to do heavy vocals we all know this and it's not it's even harder to do the shit that Darius Tarani or the boys from Orphan or even Zelly from Paleface can do. Literally mm -hmm. chain smoking, doing whatever they do, and just actually sounding like authentic serial killers on the mic. <laughs> and then, you know, 
you meet them off stage and it's the meme. They're the, you know, most peaceful people ever. And Dylan definitely seems to be another example of that. Cause this dude is just absolutely a teddy bear. And I think the, the mustache <laughs> definitely helps too. It's, it's nice and fluffy. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> of <course>. sure. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, man. Um, so as we kind of continue and I mean, this has actually been for me personally, um, no offense to any of our guests prior, because we've told a lot of great stories, but this is aiming, this is like racking up, ramping up, there we go, to be a really authentic and organic session where we're not trying to speed run everything. Um, I definitely prefer the sessions like this. So we've talked about your background a little bit, your you know young adult life, having to dot back and forth, and then finally, more or less, concreting yourself in Wisconsin. So you mentioned that when you got to a certain city among this great, like, I don't know, game of ping pong across the country, <laughs> um, yep. you, you ended up beating some of the boys from mm -hmm. Dead Awake. So yep. before we discuss that, I guess I wanted to ask you know, you did your theater stuff, you became a performer, you became more comfortable with being a performer and being in front of people. And it didn't matter, you know, if they laughed or just like, boo, boo, because that shit, you know, you got to block that out. You got to separate yourself from that and just keep on going. So did you have any band projects before Dead Awake that you did? Yeah, I did. Um, So how I actually got into like, I want to say heavier and like, cause I was into like alternative music, kind of like, um, everything you would see on like rock band and guitar hero. And then like Lincoln park, my sister introduced me to Lincoln park when I was a kid, rest in peace to Chester, my absolute. Um, but yeah, so obviously I owe a ton of credit to her, but, um, when I was in green Bay, I met my best friend, um, Garrett Aiken. He's a fantastic, talented musician. He plays drums. He plays guitar. Like, he's got a hell of a singing voice that he doesn't utilize, and I have no idea why the fuck he doesn't. But, um, yeah, so he actually, like, we ended up just becoming friends by happenstance. Like, he hit me up on Facebook one day and was like, hey, I heard you like this music, and I heard you play drums a little bit, because I did, but nothing crazy. He was like, do you want to come over and jam sometime? And I'm like, sure. And then we started hanging out, and it just kind of, like, became this thing. And he was in a band that he was originally calling The Departed, because that's his favorite movie. Okay. Um, and he asked if I wanted to do vocals for it. And I was like, yeah, but what kind of stuff do you like want, you know? And because I, I didn't know how to scream for the first like three or four years. I was or not like three or four, but like two years when I was in a band. None of um, us do. It's OK. <laughs> yeah, I, had, I didn't even like I had no desire to try it at that point. Like I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. But um, I joined that band. We ended up becoming what well, um, second to fall. That's what our band name was. It was very, like, old-school Avenged Sevenfold Heart, like, metal core yeah. stuff. So, like, real simple, real riffy. Uh, but it was just me, Garrett, and our uh, one of my best friends, Cody Stonebrook. Um, he's got this amazing, so like, solo project that I'll plug later. But he's insane. Like, this kid is literally a prodigy on the guitar. It's fucking nuts. Um, so we were in a band called Second to Fall for a really long time, and we were, like, the youngest band in the Green Bay scene. So... It was kind of one of those whole like, oh, you're young, like you guys won't do shit kind of mentality, and a, like in a bunch of like in an environment of a bunch of middle aged kind of people playing like five finger death punch type stuff or yes. like like death metal sludge shit, you know. <laughs> um, 
so we really had to make a name for ourselves and everything but we gigged like every weekend we were playing shows and stuff we had a pretty extensive history there um and then when i moved to illinois um it was kind of hard because everybody else in the band pretty much moved to saint paul and we became or no this was prior to but we became conundrum because we really enjoyed progressive metal um so we kind of changed up our whole style before like i went for college recorded an ep there um and then we recorded an album like a few years later as conundrum like the progressive metal people um mm -hmm. and i joined dead awake while i was still in conundrum and it was kind of like cody sat me down he was like hey man like you guys seem to be doing pretty good like you seem pretty happy and doing this heavier stuff like and it's really hard to get you to come out for shows for this like what do you want to do and we ended up parting ways um all on good terms and shit though like yeah still some of my best friends like i still game with them like almost every day of the week <laughs> like at least once a week you know i'm seeing them next weekend when we play the show in green bay and shit so still one of my best friends but yeah it was like a really weird avenged sevenfold metalcore to like old school death metal metalcore to prog basically yeah. and then i ended up in dead awake just doing heavy stuff just because that's where like i i really wanted to get there eventually because i love the heavy shit like i always have and then it kind of just worked out. So I've only been in that other band, but that was, yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. So technically you were in three other projects before, but they were all the same people. They just renamed, <laughs> they rebranded a couple times, yeah. which that makes absolute sense. And though I have never actually like been in a garage, been in a basement to uh, play actual music with any other kids um i remember dude middle school and high school and my my buddies back home in arizona can confirm this for me um we went from what was supposed to be a dennis shortfestoff era asking alexandria um themed or like inspired metalcore band called upon these scars but the funny thing was i didn't realize this at the time the logo that we ended up making for that the emblem that we ended up making for that which the emblem um i actually use for my main branding on the channel and i just that's my that's the sean cross cross now but it used to be uts um if anybody didn't know that little fun fact but uh we went from <laughs> um i think insanity and it, you know, just a Metallica looking freaking logo. Uh, we did Straight Jacket Daycare, which was supposed to be more clean, uh, the cleansing era suicide silence inspired. Uh, there was Blinking Through Bloodshot, Awake and Aroused, um, War Paint, and Upon These Scars, really. And most of the music that I, most of the lyrical um, content that I wrote for those projects, I'll be utilizing. Um, with my current one, which actually fucking has music out, which that's ah, like it, it it took way too long, but we're finally here, so that's cool. Um, I feel that. yeah, dude, it's like five or set five to seven years in the making. I'm like, yes, one song out, let's go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, what's up? Congratulations, that's a huge step. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it it just took way too fucking long. Like I should have had a couple albums out or now or something <laughs> like that, you know. But yeah. you know, also, what when when all you're doing really is not even again, like I said, playing in a basement or playing in a in a garage with like these um with any musicians at all, and it's more or less like yeah, a couple of a couple of us know how to play guitar. 
I think we might have a drummer and you know you just write lyrics you write like you designed a logo you do the chicken scratch shit that was all it ever was <laughs> unfortunately so over time I'm like fuck this I'm just gonna hire someone to help me out make the instrumentals and boom era or error was born um so I mean it's all process people and I guess that's another um reiterating what we both stated before everybody goes at their own pace I didn't mean to go at that pace but it happened for a reason we're here now and uh new music should be coming out sometime this year we'll see we'll see um let's go, let's go. exactly um got to keep the hype up got to keep the momentum up otherwise it's just going to die and then sink into a grave and never come back up because graves are final measures but um i don't know man like so you joined dead awake back uh in what year 2018 i believe i think it was january of 2018 oh shit okay so i mean pretty recently i was thinking this was like 20 2012 to 2016 or something but um there's only like four years of difference between us i guess so i think that's usually usually i have people that are at least a dec they have a decade on me so <laughs> that's that's usually who i'm bringing on the podcast but um yeah man i mean joining dead awake uh what was like before we before i asked that and before i just provide a moment of silence for no reason um i was meaning to ask you about the theater stuff right real quick and yeah. i was looking to ask you like what was the defining moment for you uh as far as performing that you're like that you decided in your head you're like this is what i want to do like was there a specific performance you can recall regarding that um i would say probably i'm not entirely sure if there was a subsist <laughs> it's okay <laughs> It was like a specific performance per se. Um, I think it was like when I first got the call that I like got my first lead. Um, mm. It was Mike TV and Willy Wonka. You know, it wasn't like the main thing, but I was there for the majority of the show and I had lines and I had my own songs and all this stuff, you know. Um, and it was just like, I remember getting that call, listening to that voicemail and like crying because I was so excited because I was like, I never thought like I would ever get that opportunity. You know, the people who were getting leads constantly in that company were like amazing, like fucking talented musicians and gorgeous singers. And they knew music theory and they, they took acting classes and shit, you know, and um, like being in the same realm as that, just like that feeling of like, holy shit, I did it. was probably when I was like, yeah, this is great. And then obviously like if I, I think it was, probably that same show like just making people laugh like being like oh they laughed at what i said like i didn't write it obviously it's just like how right. i perform but it's just still like i don't know man there's something like so great about that and like i was in anything goes twice and one of them was in high school and i was playing this really stupid like mafia guy from like the 1920s on a cruise ship and i'm talking like this you know i'm just doing stupid shit and like just making people laugh and having a blast with it. And I was like, I could do this for the rest of my life. It's like, that was probably the main point just because I was like, it was like the roles that make people laugh. You know, that's yes. my shit. So, yeah. And I mean, as, as a performer, man, like comedy and making people laugh, that can be the most uh, uh, dopamine, serotonin um, causing, like, in I don't even know the word. I always space off these intermediate words in English, but. It like, I don't know, it just resonates and it kind of just ignites that dopamine and serotonin in your brain. And you're like, this is it. I finally did it. I finally like gained some positive reception from some positive 
responses from the crowd instead of just like boo or <laughs> you know like yeah. it's it's uh yeah exactly <laughs> crickets that oh my god i can't even imagine um and i mean i, I know how that feels because i've performed by myself and i did an acoustic cover the the low gains acoustic cover for, uh, low gains makes for the lines by bear tooth i performed that on my own in front of all these kids or all these parents too um and that that was like Oh God, here's to not fucking up. But I'm like, just like, dude, just focus on the lyrics, focus on the song. And this was like acoustic guitar and singing at one. So I'm like, okay, I'm familiar with this now. No stage fry. I don't give a fuck. And I just did it. And I mean, not like not many people I knew were there. So it's like, it's definitely one of those. Uh, it was one of those moments that I enjoyed by myself until um, I told my folks back home. And even then they weren't really emotionally connected with the moment they're like oh yeah cool that's you performed on your own that's, mm, that's not bad mm -hmm. um and i remember being upset i remember being disappointed because it i was covering a song instead of performing an original song that i wanted to do um and that song still will be coming out uh eventually that that that'll be a great one it's going to be acoustic though people so it's it's not going to be metal but whenever it does come out i think you guys will like it so as a sequel to that question really and a great way to kind of creep into the end of the first half of the podcast session. And again, thank you, Dylan, for giving your time, deciding to be a part of this podcast and uh, tell your story to my audience as well as yours, but the opportunity in general. Um, thank you. So concerning your entry into Dead Awake, as a sequel to the last question, what was like your limelight moment the same way you reacted the same way you felt really when you got that first laugh when you got that first positive response what was the moment for you in dead awake that really had you comfortable it made you warm it made you feel like really really good and you're like this is where i belong um that's a really good one actually so um i would say probably i did I was just like friends with everybody in the band at first. Um, so like they had me hop up and do like guest vocals for a couple songs is pretty much it. Um, but one of the first shows that I did guest vocals with them on, it was for um, Ultra Vitam before we redid the EP. And it was at this place called the House Cafe in DeKalb, which holds a very, very special place in our hearts. Rest in peace to that venue. It's not there. Um, but it was like a variety show. You know, there were like 20 or 30 bands there. There was like, local rappers and like edm artists and like Bad metal bands and like i hopped up for one of the songs and the place was packed it was like the most packed i've ever seen that place and i went up there and like grabbed the mic i was nervous as shit you know because i'm like this isn't my band whatever i went up and i just started like doing my gutturals and people started cheering and then people started pits and everybody was moving around like crazy and it was like i wasn't even in the band at that point you know i was just like they, I, I don't know if they were treating it as like an audition or something, but I was just happy to be on stage playing heavier stuff, you know? Yes. I was like, oh my God, like this is where I'm supposed to be. Like this is the type of music I'm supposed to be doing. Just brought a ton of joy. Um, and then they asked me to be a part of the band like a week or two later. And then after we made that announcement, there was, this guy's name is Ross. He's the drummer for a band called Synovial. They're like a really good progressive metal band out in Illinois. Um, if you guys are ever into that, please look them up. They're fantastic. Um, but their drummer randomly, I'll never forget this. I was parking at my tech school to go to class and I got this random Facebook message from somebody I didn't know. 
And he was like, hey, I'm Ross. I'm the drummer of this band, Synovial. Like, I just saw the announcement that you're going to be a part of the band. I'm really excited because I saw you do the guest feature there in DeKalb, and it was amazing. You're going to fit right in. Like, we're really happy to have you in the scene. And it just kind of, like, was such a nice, warm welcome that I will literally never forget. Like, Ross was the day one supporter of me in this scene and, like, in this band and everything. So big shout out to Ross. But that moment was like, okay, like, I'm doing something right. Like, people are excited to see me here. Um, and I had just moved into Illinois, you know, so I didn't know a ton of people, but it was just nice that people welcomed me in with open arms at the time and everything. So yeah, that was definitely probably the moment there. Badass dude. And I mean, I can only imagine how rewarding that must have felt. Cause I mean, you weren't even like set in stone. You're like, yo, my name is Dylan and we are dead away. You're like, yeah, I'm just kind of hanging out here and filling in. Cause I don't have a vocalist, you know, like, mm -hmm. and then, I mean, they, the crowd ended up responding as if you were in the band like that's badass dude yeah it felt great yeah man that's that's really cool and i mean you so you said they ended up um officially welcoming you in about a week after that mm -hmm. you cut out a little bit one second all right, but la, 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 la. can you hear me now? Yeah, I, sorry, I don't know what happened there. I don't know why. Like, this is a sure SM7B, and it cuts out at least once every session. Anyways, back to the emotional part and just getting really into this. Um, mm -hmm. You said you were welcomed in about a week after that night, after that show. Um, was there any commentary the band members had regarding that night and regarding your welcome that um, that you can recall, that you remember? Um, I can't recall a ton. Um, at the time, they had a vocalist. Um, oh, right. Doing dual vocals for a really long time there. Um, I remember them, like, bringing up the idea and them hitting me up about it. And my main thing was, like, this is, like, Noah's band. Like, his name um, his name was Noah, fantastic vocalist. He's still in Rockford and everything. Um, but he was, like, I was, like, I don't want to take any of this away because a front man is a very like i consider it like a very sacred kind of spot you know like you want everybody to feel included and dual vocals doesn't really work all the time you got to be really careful with that um but i remember them being like nah dude like we want you up here just because it's going to make it easier and it's going to be badass like having the dual vocals and everything so everybody like they were really excited to have me on board and have me start working with them so that was really cool that was definitely the coolest part i want to say Badass, man. That's really cool. And I can only hope um, that, you know, you continue to have great opportunities in the future, including outside of doing the music um, acting careers. Uh, do you do anything? Obviously, like you're in you're a front man in a band, but you got to have a job to actually provide yourself a financial backbone. So what do you do outside of music right now, man? Yeah, so I am actually a patient support representative for a company called UW Healthcare Direct. Um, I work in the um, CPAP resupply department. So basically, like, what my job is is to, like, field phone calls and help people get equipment for their, like, CPAPs and BiPAPs and everything like that so they can, like, breathe at night. So it's kind of like – it's kind of healthcare. I want to say, like, I'm part of the healthcare field. I'm not, like, boots on the ground or anything like that, but I just help people get their medical equipment and kind of go from there, so – Badass, yeah. And how long have you been doing that, man? Oh, not long. <laughs> not long at all, really. <laughs> I, think, um, I think I've been here for like maybe four going on five months. I came from property management previously. 
um, ended up absolutely hating the industry like crazy. Um, just because I saw a lot of like what I can, like it just didn't fit my moral compass, you know, having to be in like meetings for CEOs being like, yeah, like let's raise all the rents by 20%, even though we're the most expensive building in Madison to live in because uh. we know it and if they can't they'll just leave and i'm like that's just so fucked up like <laughs> yeah. i just i i couldn't do it man and i just did not get along with my boss at the time and everything i was definitely not happy so that's why i kind of tucked tail and then my girlfriend and all of our friends really helped me get this job and yeah it's been good badass man i'm, I'm glad to hear that you have a pretty profound and pretty uh well off job man because i mean like i said dude i <laughs> I, uh, I scam, like, I like, I would prefer to say that I don't scam people into going back to school, but I kind of do. And it's like, <laughs> absolutely what I have to do to do the job right and to get good stats, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I really hope nobody from the company ever listens to my podcast because fuck that company. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to say it, um, say the name because that's just unnecessary, but Good God, I await my next opportunity. That way I can get the fuck out of working from home. And I mean, it's nice because I edit my uh, my dog water music or not music videos. But I edit my dog water <laughs> quality <laughs> YouTube videos and, you know, I'm able to work on covers. I'm able to do this um, pretty easily, but it comes at a lot of cost. I don't mm -hmm. basically, especially being out here in Tennessee, man, no social life. Um, since at least uh, April of last year. So holy shit, it's almost been a, a year since I went back to uh, from home work and isolated work. But it's it's deprived me of so many opportunities and it's really the reason I'm going to have to move back to Arizona. So love my job because I get money, I guess, and they offer benefits, but I work 60 hours a week with no overtime. Um, and... Yeah, fuck the company, whatever. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, oh my God, it's so brain dead too, man. Um, it's like one of the most deep fried jobs I think I've, I hopefully that I'll ever work, but we'll see what happens. So mm -hmm. as we continue learning about you and not, you know, me ranting about shit, because I'll do that on my own time. <laughs> um, I wanted to go ahead and quickly... As we're wrapping up the first half of the podcast, I wanted to pluck five artists, albums, or major people like philosophers, maybe celebrities or something. Because, I mean, I know I have a couple guilty pleasures in that field um, mm -hmm. that have helped you really, really define yourself and uh, hone yourself, I guess, for the role that you contribute as the frontman of Dead Awake. Right. Okay. Um, I'll probably take a little bit from each category. Yeah. <laughs> um, for albums, my number one favorite album of all time, I know it front to back, and it's helped me so much personally, has got to be Language by the Contortionist. Um, yeah, it's definitely like, it's just a beautiful record. And it, like I said, it helped me a lot personally and kind of helped me open my mind a little bit, I guess you could say. But that was a huge influence for me. Um, M Shadows of Avenged Sevenfold. They, uh, they were my favorite band for the longest fucking time. People can clown me all you want. I don't give a shit. That band rips. Um, <laughs> so, um, M Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold. Like he was the first vocalist I ever saw live. Like my first concert and everything. Oh like, shit! Yeah, and it was fucking nuts, dude. That man is just like 
a god to me. So M Shadows big time. Um, Rare form the re recording by After the Burial. That's a huge one. Um, just because it's kind of like the heavier side and like when I first listened to the original version of that record, because they redid the vocals and everything, I'm sure you know that. Um, yes. But yeah, like I, that was the first time I heard like a pig squeal. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, uh, Vincent Bennett from the Acacia Strain, huge, huge influence for me. That was like the heaviest, like that was like beat down before it was cool, pretty much, yeah. you know. Uh, now I see it in hindsight, it's more so like just a down-tuned version of hardcore, but it's like, that was the heaviest shit I'd ever heard. It was ignorant. His breakdown lines, like, I'm not fucking sorry. And then just like, boom. Yeah. And like, all the lyrics and everything. Oh, my God. And uh, that's a huge one for me. And then I'll probably say the last is going to be. Well, these are kind of the same, on my opinion. But um, the first one I'm just going to say was Phil Bozeman. Because Whitechapel fucking changed my life when I first heard, like, possession and this is exile and everything yeah. absolutely my perception on what the fuck music was uh, and then um mitch locker from suicide silence he is easily my biggest inspiration in all of this music stuff just the tone of his vocals i've never been able to match which is totally fine because you yeah. know i'm my everything and no, like besides kyle from tactos yes that's <laughs> about to mention that I was going to say, I have a very hard time finding vocalists that can even mimic a fraction of that tone. Um, and Ricky Hoover. But yes. Yeah, he's like easily my biggest inspiration. All like all the tattoos and the heavy music and his stage presence, the fucking stomp and the yes, shaking. The stomp, my guy, the stomp. <laughs> I remember Garrett introduced me, my best friend introduced me to them, not like personally, but showed me them. And he was mm -hmm. like, You're not. Dude, these guys look like they should be an all-time low and i was like what <laughs> and he turned on the first song we ever listened to by them was unanswered and i heard the yeah i was like what the fuck is this this is sick it's like uh the ear piercing screams and everything man that mitch Lucker is definitely my biggest inspiration as a vocalist and man i still remember where i was at what time it was when i found out that he passed and yeah yeah it was like him and chester chester is also a huge influence to me obviously that was like my first heavier band and without hybrid theory i would i don't think i would be here like in this spot you know um so yeah hybrid theory is the most influential record i think that's ever really kind of touched me but mitch lucker vocally is like i want to be a combination of like his stage presence with like vincent's like lyrics and phil bozeman's tone like that is like yeah. what i love to be as a vocalist that's like what i strive for <laughs> a deadly combination if i do say so myself and Absolutely. i mean <laughs> it's funny like almost every person i've talked to recently whether it be in the florida scene or the general death course scene most of my guests recently really They've all been mentioning Kyle, man. They've all been mentioning mm -hmm. Tactosa. And I'm like, dude, there's a reason for that shit, man. They are going to make history. Even if it's just because, primarily, their vocalist sounds like a you know legendary, iconic vocalist. I mean, after all, they've said it themselves, people. They're planning on descending into a more death metal tone. Mm -hmm. And not, you know, the classic 
OG MySpace era deathcore, as other people call it. Because right. unfortunately, I only really descended into the scene of deathcore after Mitch passed away and after the memorial show um, was released to YouTube. I'm like, okay, okay, so deathcore, uh, uh, like Chelsea Grin. Uh, <laughs> it was just yeah. a whole thing, man. It was a whole thing. It was a whole experience. But I mean, there's a reason he's constantly mentioned. So rest in peace to him always. And I mean, he's kind of irreplaceable even after all these yeah. years. But people, y'all got to stop being toxic towards Eddie Hermita or I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> leave leave the guy alone. He's also a really good vocalist. He's a really sweet guy. Um, And he's, I think he's continuing to make the band bigger and bigger. After all, they returned to the record label. They did the cleansing and the Black Crown on. So leave them the fuck alone. They're doing good. New album coming out this month, actually, which is crazy. Um, and I cannot wait to hear it. But as we descend into the second half of the session, uh, we will be right back for an ad break. Cool. And we're back. Episode 45. It's currently 7.41 p.m. on the 4th of March. For those of you who were in the first half with us, um, we are with Dylan of dead awake and this is a band i've been following for quite some time now and he has shared so much of his story with us so far so again thank you dylan um for deciding to take this time with us so we can learn more about you and your band project now we go ahead and say fuck frontman syndrome <laughs> um and we <laughs> learn more about the band itself we learned about your contributions to the band we learn about um, the impression that the band has left upon you and basically all these other little fun details that people might want to ask in person while seeing you guys live. But depending on how packed the room is or how long the the, the merch line could be, they're like, OK, uh, uh, I, I would ask this, but, you know, I'm just going to get merch and get out of here because he looks tired, whatever, whatever it could be. So for starters. I know that you ended up joining in Dead Awake a little bit later in their startup, in their lineage, in their history, their legacy. Um, so I don't know if you would be able to answer this question, but it's definitely a question I like to ask for every guest. Um, do you know the reason, the meaning behind the band's name? I do, actually, yeah. So... Um... The original vocalist, he kind of came up with the name because I think before that it was going to be like Decapitator or something, you know, just like I think actually I think it was going to be Disdain. I think that was going to be the band's name, like um, just because of the heavier shit and everything. But Noah popped in and he made it Dead Awake and he kind of explained it to me like because there is a movie called Dead Awake just without the forward slash and people okay. ask about it. They're like, are you um, sorry, there's my rabbit. If you want to. <laughs> Background guest, let's go. Yeah, that's <laughs> what's my, up, dude. He's, he's just sitting on my chair. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, um, but yeah. So basically, um, Noah was a still is a super spiritual guy. Um, he's very like in tune with his spirituality and very in tune with the world in a level, like in a way and on a level that I'll never be. Um, I don't know how he attained it, but this man has got such a really cool, like view on the world and energies and shit and like i believe all that shit's real so it's kind of cool that like since i can't come into tune with it he can and i can live vicariously through that yes. but um, basically he equated it to the death of an ego so like Ooh. 
when your ego is dead, like you kind of take on this whole new life kind of thing. So like when your ego is dead, you kind of wake up. So it's like with the ego, when it's dead, you're awake. So it's kind of like, yeah, so it's like part of you dies, but part of you wakes up simultaneously. So that's why it was kind of dead awake with the forward slash in there because it's like a process one without the other. So he came up with a really cool name that's super unique. And like, I love it. It's so cool just thinking about all that. And I learned that like a year or two ago because I I was like, I don't know. It just sounds cool. I didn't make it up. Um, Like, I'm just here to make the music. I'll let you know if I up and I found out. So that's actually really cool. And like, you can easily equate that dead awake as a statement to kind of like going to a live show or for you when you were doing your theater performances and stuff as a younger kid, it's like maybe you're emotionally dead or something like that before you attend the show, before you go to this theater or for you, uh, maybe you're, you know, you're in a, a rougher mental state. And and once you get on stage, once you kind of leave all that behind, leave away, leave behind any fear, stage fright, ego, as you said, which that's that's the name. That's the official meaning. You're able to awaken. You're able to be free. You're able to unleash your potential, which is like really cool to think about. And goddamn, that is such a cool meaning behind a yeah. band name, man. Like that's really cool. I'm really stoked about it. Yeah. And we always talk about it too. Like we're glad it's kind of like an out there kind of explanation and not necessarily what most like deathcore heavier bands would kind of base their names around. I love that about that. Cause like if we would have kept the name disdain or if they would have, we probably would have just fit into the same category as everybody else. Um, especially for the 2018 scene when like beat down was the shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Beat down was all there was just, down tuned shit our guitarist bought a nine string guitar (laughs) it was fucking heavy and stupid but it was cool that we have this name to kind of separate ourselves from it a little bit so i love the name i absolutely love the name absolutely agreed and it's like i looking back on some of the episodes that we've done before like there have been plenty of guests who have had that substance that dead awake seems to have with its name but plenty of other bands are like yeah, we just thought it was cool. And I'm like, okay, let's <laughs> have to move on. And there's nothing wrong with that. But right. for someone of my, uh, I guess just my opinion, my perspective on music, and when it comes to really adding soul to what you're wanting to do, your creation, when you, when you add more detail to whatever you're trying to do. Like it, it works the same way with any narrative people. You end up being more intrigued by a narrative when it isn't just like beginning, middle, plot, end, whatever. You end up enjoying a story more when it has twists, right? You end up enjoying a story more when you find out the good guy is actually a psychopathic villain, you know, that type of shit. That's what substance, that's what death is to me. And especially when it comes to lyrical writing or deciding a project's name, that's why my band's name is a whole last statement, Blind Without Our Failures. We, like, without our failures, without our sins, without our mistakes, without our human flaws, we are blind. 
we might as well be like have a cloth wrapped around our eyes. And I absolutely plan to incorporate that imagery because it also correlates with the massive project I want to do in the future, um, correlating to an anime. But that's all I will say. Um, and shout out to Brand of Sacrifice always for um, validating that sort of creative mindset with Lifeblood and God Brand because that shit was insane to me when I found out it was about Berserk and then I watched mm -hmm. Berserk after that. So they kind of paved the way for that type of niche in the genre and I will always appreciate it. And it's good fucking music. Go check it out, people, if you haven't already. Um, so I really appreciate that. I really love and respect. I admire the substance, the depth behind you guys' band name. And that's just talking about the freaking band name, okay? So then we fast forward a little bit. We jump away from that after giving it the love it deserves, the appreciation it deserves. And also, um, you said Colin was the original vocalist, right? No, um, his name was Noah. Noah, Jesus. Um, there must have been Colin somewhere in the session. But Noah, shout out to you, man. That's actually really cool. And I, I love that. I love that you are like so involved with your spirituality and stuff because I like to say I am too, but not really. I'm working on it though. That's something I'm going to be working on in the future because I believe in like the supernatural, the paranormal, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. um, really cool shit. And yeah, so we move on from that after giving Noah the respect, the admiration, the, the love it, that major idea deserves. So with your entry into the band, which we more or less said that before, but this is this is a different question, I promise. Um, when you joined the band and you were comfortable after that first show, after being a fill-in vocalist, and then after a, a week later, you had random people reaching out to you. You had the band um, gratifying that situation, appreciating it, and welcoming you into the band. Um, I kind of wanted to ask about how the creative process started with your first major effort with dead awake yeah um it's actually a really cool story um it's kind of like it, it all honestly doesn't feel real it's kind of like it's just nuts um so the first ep was already written um and you can tell noah's spirituality too by the if you go back and listen to the insurrectionist ep um definitely listen to this is for anybody that wants a good introduction into the band. Start with the deluxe edition, but listen to the first like demos because my vocals aren't on those at all. Um, that's all Noah um, with the original guitar and everything like that. So definitely listen to that. Um, and it's all very spiritual and stuff like that too. But when I first joined the band, um, the first song I ever wrote with the guys was 12418. Um, I had a really like big personal thing kind of happen around then. Um, someone very close to me like lost their baby pretty much had a miscarriage um and these people were like super devout catholics you know they like went to church every sunday didn't even eat fucking like they ate fish on fridays they like went to confessional all the time they did nothing but like my sister works in the fucking church you know like so yeah sorry it was it's about You're good yeah You're good. Gave... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so um that happened, and I found that out on January 24th, uh, 24th of 2018, um, and I messaged Michael, our lead guitarist, and me and him have, like, a very special musical connection. We had written music prior to that and everything and kind of bonded prior to that, like, prior to me being in the band and stuff, um, 
And I was like, hey, this just happened. I kind of want to write a song about it, like maybe like a melodic thing. Because at this point, we had no idea what the fuck our sound was going to be, you know. Um, so he was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And I was like, cool. And I had no instrumental like idea whatsoever. I just had kind of like the drum beat in my head. And that same night, I wrote like three pages of lyrics that ended up being in the song. And like... I talked to Michael the next day before we went to the studio and he was like, oh yeah, I had this idea for like, this was going to be the drum beat. He said the same drum beat had the same chord progression in his head. That's crazy. Yeah, dude, it was fucking nuts. So we went to the studio and we basically wrote this song from scratch and um, like I wrote all the lyrics and stuff and gave Noah like parts and everything to do um, and stuff like that. So that was kind of like weird how well it just kind of, melded together like i joined the band at this perfect time in order to make this song me and michael had the same idea for the song went and recorded it and that was like my first major effort to the band and then we didn't release that song until um our self-titled album like a few years back so we had that pocket for a while but yeah badass dude and i mean especially like i guess then I would want to ask about what has been your favorite song to write lyrically for the band or, you know, shit, you might, you might've written riffs. You might've written like guitar, Jesus, drum parts. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we finally have that together. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't know like what you've written for the band so far, but what, what's been your favorite thing to write for the band? Yeah. So um, I've written a lot of lyrics starting with like, about half of our self-titled record um just because like that was we released that after noah party waits with us um so a couple of the songs i didn't write um but ever since then i've basically been writing all the lyrics and everything the one that's so near and dear to my heart is vagabond and anybody who knows our band probably knows that that's going to be the case (laughs) um just because it meant a lot to me at the time and um like the lyrical content and everything whoa is this storm there? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Was- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just but, like uh, you see the camera just fly off. That's tornadoes <laughs> shit. Oh god. Um, you were saying. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're fine, dude. Um, so yeah, it's definitely vagabond. It's a topic that was very near and dear to my heart after something again, something personal that happened to me and stuff. And um, it was just the delivery, the writing of it, the way that the song ended up being. Um, Because it was a completely different song from when we demoed it. Like, a completely different song, dude. It was awesome. And, like, so that means a lot. Like, obviously, with stream numbers and everything and how people, like, react to it live and stuff. That was definitely, like, the biggest musical contribution that I've, like, ever made. So it's very near and dear to my heart. Um, So I would say Vagabond. And then another one that I really enjoyed writing was um, Ayudichim Per Ignum off of Vile. it just basically means trial by fire in Latin because it sounds cooler than trial by fire. <laughs> yeah. But um, I had those lyrics in, like, not all of them, but, like, this beginning of these lyrics since I was in high school. I had this really vivid nightmare of, like, falling asleep and then waking. Like, I was basically, like, in hell, pretty much. Just, like, walking through this hellscape and, like, basically what I wrote about in the song is what happened in the dream. Like all these people are trying to like grab me and everything like that. I'm trying to get away. Like I see a light over there. So I go to this light and then this 
person, like this monster thing is just kind of like throws like a sword on the ground pretty much. And it's like, you can strike me down and you'll be fine. Or you can like use it on yourself and you'll never have this shit happen to you again. Yeah. And so I used it on myself and everything. And then um, like went back into the room. It was almost like, it was really weird. Like I went back into my body. Um, no, I wasn't on any drugs or anything. I was a kid, right. <laughs> you know? So I just want to preface it with that. It wasn't like, you will not have that happen to you if you trip on shrooms or. <laughs> um, so just a disclaimer there. Um, but yeah, so like I had no idea what to write for this like death metal song. And I was like writing it and writing it and I couldn't fucking figure it out. And I had a studio day the next day. And then I just started like writing the first. I was like, oh, maybe I can actually write about this. And I wrote the first line that I had in my head forever. And then it just kind of became this story that's like what i consider actually like a really well-written narrative that's just me jerking my own dick i'm sorry I, i'm really proud of it <laughs> You're good. Um, but yeah i'm really proud of how it kind of like is described and how it's rounded out and everything and kind of makes this story and the music in the background like literally just helps encapsulate that hellscape and that redemption kind of arc and everything in there but that's like i'm super proud of that one super proud badass dude so that's your favorite song that you've written so far um other than vagabond which featuring john the butcher baby formerly from the last 10 seconds of life uh hopefully soon announced to be a part of crystal lake but i don't know so disclaimer i do not know but i really hope <laughs> I'm, I'm manifesting that shit dude because i i think that is the 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 next big step that he deserves like being on a being with a band that's on the sharp tone records roster like for one for two um i mean he's actively learning japanese bro i'm sorry but it, are any of the other candidates doing that i i don't know <laughs> disclaimer again but anyways um really really love that song and i remember first finding out about you guys with the self-titled album and i remember seeing all the features and i remember noticing that you guys were a two vocalist band and stuff so i don't mean to intrude but i guess for insight and stuff what ended up happening with noah yeah so um like i was saying before he was very like very spiritual you know um and that reflected in the work you know so um it, like i said if you listen to the first ep like a lot of it is like very kind of spiritual-esque. Um, and I didn't have that same experience. So when I would write lyrics and everything, he didn't necessarily like agree with the topic or something because it maybe like struck a chord or we just had a lot of creative differences. Um, and what actually happened was it was Vagabond. I sent him the lyrics and I told him what I was writing it about and everything. Um, and he just wasn't about it just because of his own personal experiences and stuff. And he kind of just went ghost for a little bit which he needed, you know, it like he did what he needed to do for himself. Um, and he came back and he's like, Hey, this dual vocals thing isn't really working for me. Like I want to be able to like do all the things that I believe in. And like Dylan should feel comfortable doing the things that he believes in. Yes. So I'm just gonna go and do my own thing and everything like best of luck. So, um, that's kind of what happened. And then we recorded and released Vagabond. That was like my first, um, that was my first song as the, only sole vocalist of dead awake too so i think that's probably why it means a lot to me as well but yeah yeah badass dude and i do appreciate you sharing with that yeah oh you cut out again i think it might be zoom i feel like zoom might be pulling some shit okay 
There we go. Yep. There we go. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I do appreciate you sharing that with us. Cause I mean, that that's like, it's not like anything bad happened, but you know, that, that is an, an internal, that is internal business for the band. So I do appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, so that brings me to my next question. Cause I would hate to like take up your time and like, have you like lyrically dissect either the self-titled album or the, the vile record. Cause I still have yet to listen to vile and I might as well listen to the self-titled album as well, all the way through for the channel and then ask you, <laughs> but no when worries. it comes, when it comes to writing lyrics for dead awake with the creative difference thing that happened, what did you end up deciding was the most important thing for writing most, if not all or any, of Dead Awake's songs? Like, what's your lyrical process? Um, honestly, my big thing is um, I write a lot about how, like, I'm personally feeling and how I perceive the world and stuff like that. Um, that's the overarching concept of Vile, is just all the things that I really, like, find gross in the world and stuff like that. And it's just basically the angry record, because the previous one, Melancholia, was all the things, like, it was basically a concept album about, like, my mental health journey and everything like that. Um, but yeah, honestly, like, this is going to sound so cliche, but just keeping it real, you know, just literally being like, this is how I feel. This is the only way I can express that without people wanting to put me in grippy socks. And, like, it just, I wanted it to be real i wanted it to be relatable in a way there's a lot of times when like we'll perform a song and like or like put out a song and people are like i relate to that i feel your pain like thank you for putting that out and that means the world to me just because like this is a sense of this band is my escapism you know it's what keeps me sane it's my therapy and everything like that but also you can't really have that kind of connotation with a project if you aren't really dissecting what you're feeling like especially with the heart like the heavier and the hardcore music and stuff like that yes you know keeping it straight you know like i could put on a fake smile and laugh all day long and everything and talk about how great life is but that's not how i feel you know like i have depression and anxiety everybody does these days which yes. is understandable you know mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like that's how i feel and i'm gonna keep it real in this music because the people who are listening to this music they either relate to it or they just love how heavy it is, you know, but I'm going to do what I can with the time that I've been given with it to just like express myself and do what I genuinely feel is real and what I want to like write lyrics about and stuff. That doesn't mean that I don't ask the guys for their input on my lyrics and stuff like right. that. Because um, I do and they're as much of a part of the process as I am. Good. So it's really nice to know that they're like comfortable with what I'm saying and everything, but yeah, I just try to keep it real and just be like, yeah, life fucking sucks. People are horrible. People are disgusting. But at least we were born in a time where eight string guitars exist. So I'm <laughs> to my fucking advantage, dude. <laughs> like if I have to preach over a bass drop, I'll fucking do it. <laughs> dude, absolutely, man. And I mean, I don't know. Um, I you, you mentioned, you know, it might be a cliche, but the way I see it, it's kind of the reason I got into heavier music because not only is it instrumentally heavier, it's usually emotionally heavier. And if it's not, it's probably because the band is making so much music or Jesus, so much money off of their music that they can afford not to care. They can afford to be happier. They can afford like all these luxuries through the art, which good for them. Bands like Beartooth, man, after all these years, after all these albums, this next album following Riptide, 
we're finally hearing an album where because Caleb took responsibility and decided to sober up and not drink as much, if not at all anymore, he's like, well, I'm finally being able to escape my demons and I won't let it wash through me like a riptide. That's more or less what the lyrics are saying. Good on you. Good on any of those bands. Good on any of those lyricists, those artists who are able to express authentically, honestly, happiness and joy and just comfort through even like slightly heavier music because i won't be surprised if Beartooth ends up becoming the new like led zeppelin slash acdc band in the future people will be like oh i remember sick and disgusting oh this is like the new back in black or whatever like i can yeah. see that being the future of music and i love the future i love like daydreaming about that t timeline where my beard is white and my kids are like my kids and grandkids are like can you not put on disease again like that type of shit it, it's really rewarding it's really cool and especially bands like or especially songs like riptide but dude ladies and gentlemen like honestly ask yourself is it a cliche or is it just consistency in authenticity and just people unleashing themselves putting their heart on their sleeve which like that's probably the most emo thing i'll ever say on the podcast but also get over it because it's true <laughs> it's, it's a relevant statement um true. You got to put your heart on your sleeve and you got to put your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit into the music. You got to be honest with yourself. Like <laughs> this is just an example for an example. Bands like Attila, right? They kind of just, you know, Chris and the boys, they kind of write music about partying and having sex and just doing all this other stupid shit. I'm like, good for you. But also go away <laughs> yeah. sometimes because it's like. I don't know. It's heavy music. It's fun. And for people who enjoy it, they enjoy it. I definitely don't listen to Attila every day because I'm like, ah, I don't really care about partying. I don't really care about blabbering and gloating about having sex with my wife or whomever his current partner is to him and all this other shit. It's like when I'm writing music, it's because I either want to give people hope or tell tell people that I've been feeling hopeless. <laughs> I feel, you know, tell people that I want to curb stomp certain parties or certain individuals or whatever whatever it could be that's what heavy music is man and that's what yeah. got people like me and dylan into the music so with that in mind that's been the journey so far that's been the discography so far from your point of view from your perspective in your own words for what dead awake is currently i know you guys have a single coming out next week um should we be expecting any sort of different creative approach to this next single and what is to come preceding that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for anybody that knows us, I'm sure you feel this way too. Um, we've never had a very distinct sound. We've been kind of like experimenting with different things. Like self-titled was all over the place just because we were kids. We had no idea what we were doing. We were just making music to make music. Um, and then Melancholia and semantics and stuff melancholia is all about the sad stuff and we were really experimenting with the more mathy side of things and the more kind of technical aspect of our influences um and then semantics was just one good old-fashioned metalcore like modern metalcore stuff um and then bio was on the side of like i want to say like death metal influenced hardcore and then this next collection of songs is literally just heavy like it is just ridiculous caveman riffs like for that single that we're dropping called terminus it's literally about killing and eating people just because we wrote 
death metal track and like i'm over here like i want to keep it real and then i'm like oh yeah like here's a story about killing and eating people <laughs> like <laughs> yes so that's what um and i named it terminus after the walking dead i don't know if you ever watched it um... but yeah there's like look the show's been out for years if you haven't seen it, here there's a spot where like people literally like lure people in and then kill them and eat them to stay alive and that's what the place is called is terminus so i just kind right. of thought that um that's not to say that the other songs don't have like a real kind of like aspect to them you know um just because like there are other ones like we have a song on there called turncoat um that's about somebody that i considered a really close friend that kind of like played both sides of the fence and just fed off of conflict and everything and that's just kind of how i felt about the situation and shit but it's definitely way heavier, way more death metal influenced, and I think that's kind of the route that we're taking, just because we're very, me and Michael especially, and even Peyton, our drummer, he's gotten really out of his shell. He used to be like a deathcore elitist kind of guy, um, but now he's like listening. I got him into like technical death metal and like death metal and all these other like, he likes like pop music sometimes, you know, like certain things that just, he's about the groove, you know, he's about how like the music makes him feel, and he's like, yeah, I'm we're all collectively kind of over the whole like gent metalcore, um, like almost, I want to say like almost Alpha Wolf style type stuff, which no right. offense to Alpha Wolf, and I love all the bands that do that stuff. Um, but we've been just kind of following that path for so long that we're just kind of like, we just want to write some ignorantly heavy shit and kind of go back to the roots. It's kind of the same way as like you mentioned earlier, the MySpace era deathcore, you know? we kind of want to get in touch with those roots and like the death metal influence that's metal back in a death core kind of thing same with Ooh. like doing and everything um and we took a ton of inspiration from tactosa with this because we saw this like we saw how well perceived it was because we've been wanting to do this for a while and like bands like dr acula coming back and like all of these yeah uh, all of these bands coming back like job for a cowboy even fuck yes sidebar so excited anyway um but yeah you know it's nice to get back to our roots and we just want to write heavy fun shit and we're going more on the death metal like simpler side of things just because it's what we like to play like we're kind of sick of the whole like all the time like we got our tony danza fill we got our deathcore fill and we're just gonna be playing some heavier shit man and yeah it's just uh, it's a definite like different creative approach um there's like a narrative song on there obviously terminus is a narrative song too because i don't actually kill and eat people I like that's, right uh, i mean uh, i don't know man like even with that in mind do we have the same elf bar bro i don't know if we do uh mine is sakura grape no ah uh, dude i almost got that one i got the <laughs> I got the watermelon Briz ice instead, but the Sakura grape was like the one I was really looking into. <laughs> That's funny, man. <laughs> Connections. Let's go, baby. <laughs> no, that's really cool. And I, like, dude, I didn't even realize how much music you guys have been releasing. It must have just not been in my recommendations or algorithm. Cause like, really, I only mentioned the self titled album and vile because those were the two only two ones on the main spotify page that i was noticing but then mm -hmm. you're like you know mentioning what is some semantics and the uh the melancholia album and i'm like what the fuck why have i never heard of these but now i gotta listen oh. to them too so basically 
I'm going to be doing hella homework because <laughs> this band dead awake is going to be doing some awesome things here in the near future. Um, bringing it back to like, you know, just thrashy groovy death metal, which I'm fucking, I'm hyped for, man. That should be really fun. And I mean, we have yet to hear terminus. Um, so here's to that. Cheers to that, man. And, um, let's see, let's see. Are you guys going to be shooting for an orange like color theme with this next EP or is that is the Terminus uh, uh, cover kind of like separate from the main image to distract and divert, maybe confuse? <laughs> so it'll be the orange color theme, um, like oranges and reds and everything. I don't know why, but we've always kind of found a way to like have a specific color theme with every album. <laughs> like, um so like the EP originally was like pink and black and stuff like that. Um, and then when we re-released it, it was blue. Um, then our self-titled was a lot of black and grays. Um, so it was pretty much just black and gray. That was our color theme there. Uh, let me see. Melancholia was green. Not entirely sure why, but it's just because <laughs> like the promos in green and stuff. And like we had like the back of the actual jewel case is green. Um, and we loved that. And then the semantics was red. And then this one's going to be orange just because we like to stick with the color themes and everything like that. And we're big fans of orange. I like the merch that you can make with that shit. Fantastic. Dude, so. seriously, man, like orange is such a fun color and it's like, yeah. it's kind of a neutral color as well. Cause it's halfway between bold, like quick, fast, which fast food, right? Thinking about color theory and just diving a little bit into that. Um, most fast food places they have like red, blue, yellow, orange, or something of that similar nature to like kind of invoke a sense of um um hastening, <laughs> just being fast because that's what fast food is. It's supposed to be fast, you know. We gotta get orders like five in a row. Let's go. Um, we gotta make money, all that fun stuff. But I I think so far looking at all of your album covers in insurrectionist probably has to be my favorite one just because it looks like a vaporwave album cover i really like yeah. it uh, like we love that album cover like that's what the majority of like the og fans they like that's their shit is the insurrectionist ep and that's usually that's actually what like popped us off and got us our first record deal and everything like that and stuff and we actually there was a somebody who sent us a picture they actually got the skull that was like melting they got that tattooed on their fucking hand dude and I'm like, guest list for life, dude. That's like, <laughs> what the fuck? That was so surreal. Because, like, I have a Dead Awake tattoo, but I was like, I'm the only one because I'm in the band. And then this dude's like, nope, got my hand blasted. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. That's crazy, but, man. Yeah, that's honestly, that is um, right now one of my favorite album covers. But the one for this next EP is, like, really cool. It's really, like, we're really big fans of, like, liminal space and kind of, like, the OG horror feeling. Um, yes so that's kind of like the look that we're taking especially with like the terminus video you know it's supposed to be like a slasher like lots of blood lots of like killing and everything like that so it's definitely a more horror themed kind of fetal to it explicit warning and all that too oh yeah absolutely uh, <laughs> sweet absolutely. Badass. Yeah, I, I swear quite a bit <laughs> you're good uh, and yeah i mean the video's definitely like a trigger warning for anybody who's not a fan of like blood or fake blood or anything just listen to it when it hops on streaming services because you won't want to watch the video especially if anything like that and which um which we respect and everything like that so obviously you know a we stream don't want to stream yeah there you go you know, <laughs> yeah if you don't like it please don't watch it um we're not trying to 
anybody or anything like that. We've had some gory videos and everything in the past. And I always put that label on it. Like, just be careful. Epilepsy warning on all of our videos as well. Um, just because that's something that I don't fuck around with. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Fantastic, dude. And I mean, it, it's it's been really cool to see that more and more bands are becoming incredibly comfortable with doing like horror movie level gore and fake blood in their music videos. I'm like, holy shit, what's going on, dude? But I guess yeah. I answered my own question. They're becoming more comfortable with it. And maybe people are becoming more desensitized to that type of violence. But who knows? You know, yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother theory. Right. <laughs> but this has been episode 45 of the anatomy podcast featuring Dylan from dead awake and uh, their new single terminus comes out next week and they are behind the scenes gearing up for another effort, but that is not my business to disclose me and me and the boys been talking about it, but there might be another session later this year with the boys concerning that next major effort until then though, Dylan, Thank you again for your time tonight. Thank you for telling your story, talking about Dead Awake. And uh, as simple as that, ladies and gentlemen, you be sure to have a good night and follow us on Anchor. Please follow us on Spotify. No matter where you are in the world, baby, please tune in, answer the questions that we have provided that way. There's some sort of feedback because it's kind of been a ghost town, bro. It's It's been a little bit disappointing, but also I need to work on my shit. So I completely understand, but tune in, ask questions, um, provide us, provide me any type of feedback because that would be really cool. And um, Dylan, did you have anything else you were wanting to mention or plug? Um. Oh yeah, I was going to plug my buddy, cody's band he just changed the name of it but i'll have to find it i'll send it to you um but <laughs> fuck that um big huge shout out to everybody who's been behind the scenes helping us out with everything um total death court has been great just because our friend matthew um redlin is actually joining their ranks and everything and they've been helping us out like crazy um huge shout out to everybody that's kind of been here since day one i know it's been a wild ride we've been bouncing around and everything and we've been trying to be as consistent as possible sending out all, all this new music and stuff um bottom line is we're not going anywhere um love us or hate us we're still a cutthroat crew we're still proud to be here and we're still gonna keep doing what we do um feel free to express your opinions and everything um another thing is just to remember to be yourself because not everybody's gonna respect it not everybody's gonna like it but they're gonna have to respect it just because everybody's different and if you feel like you're outcast because of who you are or what you write or anything like that, I guarantee you that there is a reason for it, because as we established before, everything happens for a reason. Everything works out in the end, and if it doesn't work out, then it's not the end yet. Huge shout-out to the Cutthroat crew, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Fantastic, man. Well, everybody, be sure to stay tuned, because we will be doing a massive heap of episodes this next week, including what could be an in-person session tomorrow at the Big Team Battle Tour as they swing by Nashville. But thank you for tuning in and have a good night.